Amen. So this is the last sermon in our Ruined Renovation series. And uh, I am very proud of myself for going through all this. And I want to say that we've done a lot of work in this area. We had the Animate series, which was a spiritual formation series. We had the Roman series. You guys, like, this is a lot of work. And God bless you for putting up with me. (laughs) uh, But I do think that the Lord is speaking to us. And I think we're definitely seeing a great deal of growth, spiritual growth and and even numeric growth in our, in our church, and that's, that's just wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that God is doing something in us and, and through us as a result. So um, anyway, in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, uh, Paul makes clear that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. So, you know, she's made separate. She's made unique. She's made special. Uh, she stands out among the crowd because he's, uh, he's cleansed her. He cleanses her with the word. That's, that's a really special picture right there. Washing, you know, just washing her and cleaning her and making her beautiful and uh, being attentive to her. That's, that's, that's a great image of Christ in the church. And it continues, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The church is absolutely something special. We, we, we are flippant when we criticize. Uh, not that we shouldn't be you know, health, critical in a healthy way of the church, but we are often too, too flippant in our criticism of the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And Paul instructs in, first, instructs in First Timothy for the reason we see in verse 15. He says, if I am delayed, he's writing to him, right? You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, in the church, right? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. So we don't like words like that to conduct yourselves. You know what I mean? Like those standards and all that stuff these days. Nobody really likes to be told what to do or told that there is a standard in this world anymore. But there is. And it's not a legalistic standard. It is a beautiful, good, life-giving standard. And so we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, it tells us that becoming part of the church is something uh, extraordinary. It's a luxury. It's a beauty. It's something wonderful. And it tells us that we can't be a Christian without being a disciple of Christ, right? A follower of Jesus, of living in obedience to Jesus, of being a true apprentice to Jesus, right? You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? That our spiritual formation also affects, you know, uh, the larger body of Christ, especially those in our local church, those that we bump into all the time in church, we walk into the church, we align ourselves with this, one, this opus of God, right? This great, wonderful, beautiful creation of God, the church. This opus of God, this pillar and this foundation of truth. We walk into it, we become a part of it. The bride of Christ is like un, nothing, it's unlike nothing else in the world. It, it is totally and absolutely special. And if uh, the Christian doesn't grasp from the very beginning that the Christian life is one of obedience towards Christ's likeness, they'll have a very hard time, uh, if ever, seeing any 
good spiritual growth towards his character. In other words, living a dichotomous life isn't an option for the Christian, right? It's just not. Um, And we shudder when we hear words like these in Revelation 3. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Uh, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow, right? <laughs> that's a, that is hard to hear. It's like th- you think of oatmeal, oatmeal that's been sitting out at room temperature. You know, like you're not going to eat that. You're going to spit that right out. And th- that's that God wants us either to be yes or no, you know, be in or out. Right? Like, I, I, I want to be hot. I want to be hot for, for Jesus. I don't want to be some crazy nut, but I do want to be in love with Jesus and passionate about my faith and, and about what Jesus is about, right? The writers of the Hebrews also have something haunting to say about the, that dichotomous life, you know, wanting to say I'm a Christian but not really walking with the Lord. He says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of this coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Um, Words such as those, <laughs> I hope they don't you know, bring us to, to despair, but I hope God uses them, the Holy Spirit uses them in your heart to wake you up from spiritual lethargy, right? We never want to be the person who plays church but doesn't walk in obedience to Jesus, who doesn't really take this seriously. Uh, this is the, this is it. Right? This is the most important thing. Your career, everything else comes secondary to Christ and His kingdom. Right? Uh, it, and, and Christ and His kingdom envelops all that you are. Your, your career and your marriage and whatever it is. Your children, everything. Right? Um, we also know that the church is to be a place where we gain this new central identity and, and all other ways of identifying ourselves become secondary to that as well. Right? Uh, it says in Colossians 3, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. Those are religious differences. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Right? So racism, nationalism, obliterated as identification with Christ takes precedence. We are Christians first, above all else. It's so cool when you travel the world and you walk into a meeting, a prayer meeting or, or, or a sermon or whatever with other Christians of, of a different uh, country and, 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 and people group and you're like, wow, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't understand a word that's going on, but I recognize the passion, right? It's wonderful. It is wonderful. We are Christians first. Everything else becomes secondary to Christ. Ephesians 5 even tells us that the gospel breaks down the dividing walls of hostility between peoples uh, of different race and culture and even religions as, as they give up that and they come into Christ. Not that they're coming into a religion, but they're coming into a relationship with Jesus, a family of faith, the body of Christ. It breaks down these walls since it brings us into unity under Him. And that's wonderful. We know that the gospel is for all nations. 
right? All people groups. That, that word nations in Scripture is translated as ethne. Ethne, it means people groups. It means all people groups in the world are going to hear the gospel before the end comes. Matthew 24, 14, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that we've been talking about and we'll talk about a little bit more today. And, you know, all, all throughout Scripture, that, that is the call from Abraham on to the end of Revelation. But when we place our nationalistic or our religious or our cultural identity first trying to bolster that thing above the reality of Christ you know Christ identity in our lives we become divisive and we become misguided in our faith which is why self-pity and victimhood are such grievous sins right it's hard to call self-pity a sin right but it is it's a terrible sin right wallowing in self-pity because they tear the body apart. They tear relationships apart. They're divisive in nature. Or divisive in nature. However you want to say it, tomato or tomato. Right? <laughs> but they are wrong attitudes at the core, aren't they? They really are. There's, there's little argument against someone harboring the feelings of self-pity or victimhood because it is, a ma- as a matter of fact, allowing feeling to govern a life instead of truth. And we know that feelings aren't facts. They can't be argued. I remember, what is, what's that guy, Mike Birbiglia, did that comedy routine where he fights with his girlfriend and she goes, well, that's the way I feel. You know? And he's like, hey, you can't argue that. That's the way I feel. So now my wife says that to me every time we fight. Well, that's the way I feel. It's like, oh, hate that. <laughs> the feelings aren't facts. God bless me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, God bless her. <laughs> She's going to be in the woods for me, with me for a whole week. Mm. She's going to... Anyway. Um, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 uh, shows that there are certain roles prepared by Jesus for certain members of the church. And this is an exhaustive, but it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to, to do what? To equip, to serve, to equip, to, to put tools in your hands, right? Uh, his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. So it's for all of us, for everybody, Right? And as we grow and ex- extend those boundaries, more and more people coming into the body of Christ, we're, we're to serve each other and grow this thing up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Hear how knowledge is so important. Uh, knowledge not in the sense of being you know, intellectual and you know, right, but knowledge and understanding and knowing Jesus, right? And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Those are just wonderful words. Isn't that what you want? That's my prayer as I go on this hike, 500 miles, just praying. I want to be mature. I want to, be, I want to find the fullness of Christ in my life, right? Again, that we're built into this spiritual maturity for the betterment of the whole body of Christ. Not just for me, but for all of you. Like what I become is helpful and wonderful and a blessing to you, hopefully, right? For uh, it, it is far from it being individualistic. Far from it. It's in essence a communal thing. This spiritual formation in myself is about you. And it reflects this Trinitarian nature of God in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who interact in community together. 
He then continues, it says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Isn't that true? Don't you feel like that? You get on Facebook and you're like, psh, psh, psh. it's like being hit with like all the thoughts and you know craziness. I was reading, Kim had a, the new National Geographic out this morning. I was reading an article in there. About like, and it, the question was, are we really as mean as we are on social media? Right? Like, would you really say this stuff in pleasant company over a dinner party that you do on social media? No, probably not. Like, there's something that we, becomes of us that we, that we hide behind these things. Anyway, I digress. Let me continue. Instead, the speaking, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, shows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Great picture. And all this occurring since, like we said last week, we are not drawn in to all the conflicting worldviews, all the conflicting fads, all the, the, new, the new fatty things that are going on, the, the, the philosophies of the world which are contrary to the heart of God as revealed in the Scriptures. We are solid, consistent, ongoing people of God. Growing in truth and love all the time. Not just when it's popular. Right? Like Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us, we don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the knowledge of God, by the Word of God. Christ directs and nurtures and prepares the church, bringing it along to maturity for the sake of His purposes, which we saw last week in Matthew 18, or 28, 18 through 20, where He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says this, right? Therefore go, or as you are going, remember, and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, all, everybody out there. Nobody's any better or whatever than you are. They're all deserving of the gospel. They're all our brothers and sisters that we're bringing into the fold, right? Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. His teachings, His words are important. They change us. They transform us. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We're not alone. We're not alone in this. Do you believe that? Do you understand that? I'm not sure I always do. And I'm trying to be more and more cognizant of that at all moments. That Christ is in me, that the Holy Spirit is around me, in me, that we are, we are experiencing it, that He's here w- with us right now. Everything grows up out of Jesus, right? Much of what the church is, is to look like is seen, as you read from Ephesians 4 on to the end of the book, I think it's through chapter 6, right? Describing those people who have walked well in the spiritual formation process, gaining maturity. And if you want to take the time to read those two chapters, it would be helpful. But like Paul said, for this reason, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Exactly what he said in the other place where he said, making us holy and blameless, right? 
So, having said all that, what we see in all this, uh, and, and from this whole series up until now, we see that spiritual formation of the individual, spiritual formation of the members of the church, the body of Christ, then becomes the primary goal of the local church in order that the Great Commission is carried out. Let me say that twice. Spiritual formation of the individual then becomes the primary goal of the local church in order that the Great Commission would be carried out. Because that is God's heart. So our goal isn't to get as many people as we can into heaven. You know, just being like getting people saved. That's not our goal. Rather, it is to get heaven into as many people as we can. But, and by getting heaven into people, we by default accomplish the goal of getting the most people we can into heaven. The goal of seeing people just be saved doesn't produce real, true, deep disciples of Christ. It doesn't. Our goal isn't to become Christians who aren't Christ-like. Christians who go to church on Sunday but then just go live our lives willy-nilly and not even thinking about our witness out there. If we aren't becoming Christ-like, the Great Commission is hamstrung, right? Since our witness testifies against any real life that we claim to have actually found in Jesus. What do you have to give to your neighbor that has as much or more than you? Or as much or less than you? What has Jesus done in you? How has He brought freedom to you? How has He changed your heart? If if you don't feel or know that yet, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Take it farther. Because that's what we need to do. Right? That's where we need to grow. So the true way of getting as many people into heaven as possible is to get heaven into as many people as possible. And that is spiritual formation. That is that process. It's a multiplication process. And we only have to follow Jesus and in His parting instructions in Matthew 28, 18-20, to be on the healthy path of spiritual formation. And as disciples of Jesus, we must employ what we've talked about in past sermons for this series, is that VIM principle, V-I-M, right? Vision and intention and means. Vision and intention and means. And so through the gift of our imaginations, through the gift of, uh, of, of that coupled with the example and the words of Christ and, and all of that, we foster this vision, this healthy vision of what it means to follow Jesus well. I think about what it looks like to be a Jesus follower, right? I have that, I foster that vision. I, I, I cultivate it in me. And, the vi- and vision is something that we're building our whole lives, that we never really stop uh, building on that vision in partnership with the Holy Spirit and through constant washing of the Word as He talked about, realizing that it's through this, this life with Jesus that we actually find abundant life, that we actually find peace and we actually find true freedom. We are a people who don't just hope for a better future, Right? 
beyond the grave, heaven when I die. That's not what we're hoping for. And that's not what Jesus said at all. We seek heaven on earth now as the Lord's prayer commanded. Right? Heaven begins right now in my walk with Jesus, in my walk with you. So your personal quiet times with the Lord do actually become pretty important. Your personal study, your personal prayer times become very important. Gatherings like this, worship services and gatherings are extremely important. The proclamation of the Word, hearing this preached to you and and ingesting it and taking it is, is very vital to your spiritual growth, your spiritual formation. It is. When we're commanded not to give up meeting together. I told somebody last night, people think that going to church once a month is becoming a regular member, a regular attender. That's not the truth. No, that's not the truth. But these are all lifelines to the heart of God. We do this in community, right? Since life isn't always lived uh, and the right choices aren't always easily understood, we need this, right? Somebody called me this week asking me a question what they, should, what they should do in this nebulous gray situation of life. And sometimes, I, I don't know sometimes. Sometimes the, you know, the answer is to go back to the Scriptures. Sometimes the answer is to go back and pray and listen to the Holy Spirit and decide if the Spirit is giving you a, a directive some way or shape or form. And it's good to call on other people and say, would you pray with me? Would you tell me if you hear from the Holy Spirit for me in this situation? Because sometimes it's not always that clear. It's an interactive relationship. Right, And by developing this clear vision, we develop a deep, true, real intention to walk in ways both internally and externally which are glorifying and honorific uh, and worthy of the life of Christ that we profess. Right? And we, we, what we've stopped doing is worrying about the negative just living not to do this or not to do that, right? We've stopped worrying about the negative, becoming, and we've become focused, rather, on the author and the perfecter of our faith, and that is Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. Great verse to, to memorize, right? Rob Schaefer said to me this week, and he may have been quoting somebody else, I'm not sure, or he may just be very, very intelligent. He said, you can't run the spiritual life as a sprint. You can't. Sprint, 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 rest, and big rest in between, right? It has to be an intentional, long-distance, sort of methodical jog. It's got to be like this long, uh, what, do you, what do they call it? Like whatever races? Marathon, thank you. <laughs> uh, I am so ready to go away. Amen. But... <laughs> but <clears throat> In sprints, you get depleted. We know this. Like, you, 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 you know, it's a burst of energy and you get depleted and then you sit on the sidelines for a long time. But in a long jog, you are able to keep running the race well. Somebody tosses you water from the side. You're like, you know, drinking while you're running, that kind of thing. The, it's the tortoise and the hare sort of uh, idea. And that all leads to the means, the tools, the things that we do to, to reach our spiritual formation, to, to the tools that we employ to become Christ-like, right? There are spiritual disciplines. Uh, what's his name? Oswald Chambers wrote a book, Spiritual Disciplines, right? Good book to read, by the way. 
And by, by talking about the means, we're not talking about our performance, outperforming each other, right? Performance is when you want to make an impression on others rather than just wanting to be in Jesus, right? Performance is rooted in pride. It's, it's worried about what others think of us. Performance t- fakes perfection instead of humbly living in process with the Lord. Right? What was that? <laughs> Rather, we're talking about what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 2, where we are determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Isn't that a great verse? I'm determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we employ all the spiritual arsenal that we have at our disposal to see that accomplished. You know, sometimes we don't do that that well. Sometimes we let those tools just sit in the toolbox and collect dust. It's good to pick them up and use them, right? As Ray Steadman once said, he says, God's first concern is not what the church does. It is what the church is. Being must always proceed doing for what we do will be according to what we are. To understand the moral character of God's people is a primary essential in understanding the nature of the church. As Christians, we are to be a moral example to the world. We are. Reflecting the character of Jesus Christ. There are morals. Morals don't get us saved. But as we grow in the Lord, we become more and more like Christ. And we live on this level of life that is beautiful and life-giving. And that includes Morally, who we are. This all includes the means of spiritual formation that we employ, the the tools, right? But to say that there's only one way or a few ways uh, or that our model is the best model, you know, 6-8 is a model, that's a model, Good Shepherd over there, they have very different music and he wears a robe and I don't, right? It's a very different model. But to say that our way or our model is the best model is to fall in love with the vessel, rather than the treasure which is within the vessel, right? 6-8 is a vessel. Good shepherd over there is a vessel. The vineyard movement is a vessel, right? And, and both the vineyard and 6-8 are good vessels, but neither are perfect vessels, right? They're only good in as far as their devotion goes in pointing us to the treasure who is Jesus. They should be solidly flexible vessels like a big tree, right? Not a rock, but a big tree, which is solid, but it still flexes and bends, right? Solidly flexible vessels, vessels which have some structure, some strength to them, but they are able to bend, they are able to grow when they need to grow, Uh, they're able to change when they need to change. 6-8 Six eight was has has chosen way back when when we started the church. church uh, we chose, we believe, guided by the Holy Spirit and guided by the Word of God to walk this faith out together as a body, as a local church community, in certain ways. And we employ certain aspects of the vessel that we call 6-8 to lead us more deeply into Christ. And if you've taken the Explore class recently, you've heard this kind of stuff, right? 
to train us up and to provide opportunity for growth and mutual ministry to each other and to the world around us. And these means are generally seen in the systems or the ministries, right? David, where are you, David? Yep, the ministries. David didn't like the word systems. I kind of agree with him. But um, there are eight of them, right, that govern this church. Stewardship and prayer and kingdom opportunities and community groups and mission and, and church planting is one thing. Kids ministry and impressions, which is... All this stuff you see in here, the coffee in the back and everything else. Um, And worship, what these guys do up here, right? Those are our eight systems or our eight ministries of this church. And these means are generally seen, you know, as as things that develop and, and bolster us and give us opportunity to grow closer to Christ, you know, each one of these systems might employ various tools in our spiritual formation tool bag. For instance, back there on that little iPad, there's a thing called Square Card that makes it easier for you to give money. It's not because I want a Porsche. It's because God calls each one of us to give to the work of the kingdom of God. And so when we make that tool available to you, that is a spiritual tool. When you go online and you can go on the online giving app and set up regular tithing because you know you're going to forget it every month, that's a helpful spiritual tool. doesn't sound like a spiritual tool, but it is. When Vinny and the team and get together and they practice worship on Thursday nights, those are tools. They're using their tools to bring worship experience to, to all of us so we can connect with the Lord. You get it. I mean, there are de- various tools in all these little ministries that we have. We also employ tools from outside, the large, you know, out, out in the larger body of the vineyard and even beyond the vineyard, you know, uh, resources that, that, that may provide for our spiritual growth as well. One of the things that we use here a lot is the Sonship course. Uh, there are a few of us that have been through the Sonship course a number of times, and we walk through that with people, and it's very, very helpful in rooting us in grace and getting us away from this performance mindset, this legalistic mindset and all that kind of stuff, and really making us sweet, better Christians. It's a, it's a great course, right? Um, We've employed counseling. We have some, some connections to some great counselors. There are great counselors in this room you know, that, that are able to counsel us when we need to pick apart our emotions and things that we're, we're going through or past or whatever it is. Uh, we have a spiritual mentor and director programs. You, you heard me say that I have a spiritual director now. Uh, when I come back from Colorado, I'm, I'm on the 25th, we're going to have an informational meeting about spiritual mentorship here at the church, and we're going to train certain people to become spiritual mentors uh, for 6-8. There is a deeper, longer two-year program called Spiritual Director Training that I might go through myself, and maybe some other people here would like to go through that. It's a little bit more expensive and more more involved, Um, but that is something that we we are are trying to employ here. I know Ivory has already started doing some stuff with the Vineyard Institute. I think one other person here is, is becoming involved in the Vineyard Institute, which is basically like seminary for the Vineyard, you know, uh, like an online connection seminary thing, going through the kingdom theology of our, uh, uh, that we, we profess and we walk in. 
Uh, retreats and conferences, the houses and I went to the, the regional conference last week. That was a tool that built into us, and it was just nice to go and connect with the larger body of the vineyard in the area. Um, uh, Rachel uses soaking prayer in the prayer ministry. If you're feeling stuck in something, we gather people around you and pray over you like crazy for a couple hours. It's pretty awesome. Uh, when I get back, I'm meeting with... Uh, uh, Okay, maybe an hour. For me, it's a couple hours. For all of you, it's like an hour. But, um, <laughs> but when I get back, I'm actually meeting with Rachel's father about uh, another deeper prayer ministry called Restoring the Foundations and trying to get... I'm, I want to go through it myself and then trying to get some people trained that we can actually do that over people in this church. There are books, there are booklets, there are sermons. We've, we've been doing this spiritual formation sermon series in different formats and different ways for a long time now. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff. We have, we have all kinds of resources. We have... First world issues in the church. We, we are not in a lack of, of tools in our tool bag to go deeper with Jesus. That's certainly the case, right? In Indonesia, that wasn't always the case. It was very difficult sometimes to get tools for people. Um, we, just to let you know, I, I had to sit with, a, like in my province... In Indonesia, as we minister to the Lampongese, the Lampongese had two major people groups, and underneath each one of those, there were six different sub-dialects. So two major dialects, six different sub-dialects off of each, so 12, basically 12 different dialects in one province. Think about the translation nightmare, right? So we got this old lady who was one of, of the, like maybe we may have had 10 Christians in the province that were Lampongese and spoke the language. I was just learning the language, so I couldn't translate all this stuff. And she, we had her sit in a room and translate the whole New Testament out loud, right? And then we transcribed all that. And then we printed the Bible, the New Testament alone. And we're, then by the time I left, whatever years ago, they were still working on the whole thing. They don't have that, right? That, you, I mean... They're all free right there, sit, sitting on the, the, <laughs> the windowsill. Take one, take 50, pass them out to your neighbors. I couldn't care less. We have all the resources in the world here, right? So be grateful for this stuff and utilize it. Uh, you know, this 6-8 is a good vessel, I think, to hold up the treasure, which is Jesus. But we're also always evaluating if we become, we've become too tied to the vessel and not to Jesus himself as our treasure. We want to keep our mind open to that all the time. And through all this, we want to live what Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says. And that is, number one, make disciples. Number two, that we're immersing ourselves as apprentices of Jesus in all levels of growth in this Trinitarian presence of God in our lives. And number three, that we're seeing as a result that we inwardly reflect Jesus so that the the outwardly Christ-like words and deeds of our lives are the natural outflow or outcome and that performance is never the focus. So that... People are coming to know him through our witness. That Jesus remains the focus. That he remains the treasure. Right? And so we give up legalism with all its unhealthy drive to only avoid the negative in life. And we are taken up. We, we are just turned around. And we, that's all behind us. 
and we're taken up with the vision of Christ. We're taken up with the thoughts of Him and what He would do in this world and how He would live. And we've learned to crucify the flesh with all its desires and with all its messages which seek to trip us up and keep us from Christ. And we've long since learned to not place our trust in all the worldly philosophies and all the fads and all the trends of thought which shift with time. Rather, we trust God who is the unchanging creator and author of our soul, no matter how the community and the culture changes out there, we hold true to what Jesus says we are and He is. Right? So ends our series. Shorter version today, right? Amen. Last week was long. (laughs) And I'm glad. I'm glad we're finished. But I'm also kind of sad to see this stuff go. But I'm excited about where we're going in the future. But as we've ended there, Today I want to end this sermon by allowing two members of our church who have been with us for quite a while to come up and share, come on up you guys, um, uh, how they've become closer to the, the treasure through this vessel uh, of 6-8. Since, uh, you guys can use this microphone here. Since uh, the Dresslers moved out to Downingtown a couple years ago because they had to for their business. And I said to them, well, you're not going to keep coming to 6-8. And they were like, no, we swear we are. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you did prove me wrong for a couple of years now, but it's been a couple of years, right? And, um, but now they, they said to me, it's just too much of a drive. It's just too far to really be connected here. So this is their last Sunday, Sunday with us. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Um, I hate to see them go. I really do. But I mean, if, like, if you could have a camera over the top of our church at, over time and just do the fast-forward thing, you'd see them going like this all over the place. I mean, uh, Br- Brian like, basically painted this place, helped us like, hugely install these air conditioning systems. He, I mean, he took the dinger off the, uh, the, the elevator so you're not embarrassed when you walk in. I think you did that, right? Who was that? Anyway, just say you did it. God. Uh, he, like, they, they have been your greeters. They've been your community group leaders. They've been everything to this church. I think they've, done, they've taught our kids. They've done everything. God bless them. They've been great, great members. So it's like giving up a kidney, right? It's like, it's like you know, another church needs a kidney and we're giving it up, right? So that they can have beautiful people in their church. Really vital, vital people. Um, but I'm talking too much. Um, so I wanted them to share uh, a little bit about how they become closer to Jesus as a result of this church. I'm going to try really, really hard not to cry. Um. But I'm already like halfway there. Um, (laughs) I'm not really good at kind of like writing things in advance. And I just, you know, want to speak from the heart, um, especially um, with this series and, um, you know, what Jason was talking about this morning um, about just being good witnesses of Jesus to the community. Um, That's really what has been the most impact on my life and I think um, our lives together as a couple with this church. Um, it is so clear um, 
that Jesus lives in this place. Um, and everybody in some capacity, um, you know, years ago when we started going here and even weeks or months ago, um, with all of our new visitors and new members, um, have shown me what it means to be vulnerable and to um, accept Jesus more in my life every day. Um, how we can show each other that on a daily basis. And I just pray that that um, continues to grow very strongly in this church um, and that every single one of you would um, spread that to the community. Um, I can just see that 6 8, um, has such a warm place in everybody's heart, whether they attend church here or not. And I'm so grateful that um, that you're all led by Jesus and that you show the world um, around you what that means. Um, and I hope that that continues to bring more people to Christ. Um, I'm so grateful for our time here. Um, thank you all. <laughs> Amen. I love you guys. <laughs> We got you guys a gift. Are you going to say anything? You, you don't have to. I'm just. No, I just wanted to thank this church. Um, it's meant a lot to us. Um, we both grew up in a Christian background, but really, we came to six eight years ago. Um, we were driving by and saw the sign, walked in, and we were just shocked at both the uh, the uh, proclamation of Christ as Lord and King and as uh, someone who you can. Uh, be with on a daily basis uh, by Jason's incredible leadership and friendship. Um, you're a much better leader than I think you, what, what think you, you are. Did you, what was that? <laughs> Can you repeat you, that? You're great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then just the vibrancy of uh, Christ um, in every one of your lives. So I, I just want to thank everyone here for uh, what you guys have been to us. And please don't... Uh, underestimate the impact that you have on each other in this community. Thanks, guys. Amen. Let me pray for you guys. Father, we thank you for this couple. We thank you for their blessing on this church and all the work and the love that they've shown the people here and how they've been great members and great friends and good brothers and sisters in Christ. And we just pray that you would move them into a really life-giving place and an enriching place in this new church that find in the, in the downtown area. We just pray for, all, pray for all blessings on them and their business and their future and everything else about life for them. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. And as they walk out of the room, I want to ask for uh, these folks to just go ahead and stand up. Uh, some, I think somebody is in teaching in children's ministry. I think Joanna is, right? She's teaching. So Ivory's wife. Uh, so Ivory and Joanna and Donna... Uh, Donna and Dave and uh, Bill and Christine and Karen and Dustin and Seth and MJ and Melody Mead is Melody here? oh there she is back there um, these people have just gone through the Explorer class and become members and so we want to welcome them into this church and um, whew, and you'll love this uh, Bill just gave me, gave me a copy of this when, when uh, they went through Explore and said, you might want to use this. And so I, I loved it, so I, I ordered it. And so I want to give each one of you guys, each couple, and Melody as well, a, um, a book. 
All right? And uh, let me just pray for you guys as we welcome you to the church. Father, we thank you for the, these people. We thank you that you love them uh, more than we could ever love them. Uh, I know, we all know, that we're going to fail them, they're going to fail us, but we're going to walk this out together. We're going to stay at the table. We're going to love each other strongly. Uh, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving. We're not going to give up. Uh, there are going to be great and wonderful times together. There's going to be hard times together. But this is part of being a family, and we love you, and we want our family to be a witness to everyone around us. So we just pray that you would use these people strongly and mightily in your, in your body so that we can do that well. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, Joe.